pray in the name of Jesus that you will open our eyes to see your truth, open our ears to hear your voice, open our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive everything that you have in store for us. Lord, we thank you that because this is your day and this is your church, this is your word, this is your people, you will do great things in our midst. We lift the level of our faith this morning. We raise the level of our expectation as we eagerly anticipate a turnaround for good across this land. Lord God Almighty, touch hearts this morning. I speak to that person lying in bed, Lord God. That person uh, on a sofa. That person just walking in the room and playing the audio. God, speak to them now. And let every word resonate deep in their spirit, causing an inward transformation. God, may we stop, be still, and see your salvation. In this moment, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, the story uh, we tell are based on the choices that we make in life. And all of us want stories we are proud to tell. Right? If I were to ask you, what stories do you tell your kids about your past? I have some stories that I always tell them about growing up. Just some major decisions. Uh, for example, I love telling the story of how I ended up in Ocho Rios. I love telling the story how Pastor Che and I develop a bond, what really stood out to me. I love telling the story of how I, I got involved at Church on the Rock and what age. I love telling all of these stories. I love telling the story of how I transitioned from the youth pastor of a church to the pastor of the church. I love telling those stories because uh, 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 the, the stories are based on some choices that I've made. And I'm very sure that all of us in here, we have some stories based on some major choices that we have made in our lives. And some place down the road, we're going to be telling our, our sons and our daughters and our grandkids. And these stories are stories of faith and stories of God's move and God's miracles. And, and that's a part of the legacy we have. And that legacy that we have is created by the choices that we make. So all of us want stories we are proud to tell. Amen? I mean, you want stories that you can stand in church and speak about it. And you're proud about that. And I mean, you know, not proud, that means full of pride. You, you, you know what I mean? But we want those stories that we can, we, can, we can say, listen, when we have our grandkids, we can sit down and say, listen, let me tell you some stuff. And we're proud to tell them those stuff. You know, knowing that, man, there's no shame and in, in our game. We don't want stories we have to avoid or lie about. You know, where we have to, eh, you know, we have to skip out parts. Because if, not the, if it's not the whole truth, it's a whole lie. Anything that's not the whole truth is a whole lie. There's nothing as half a truth. If you call it half a truth, it's really a full lie. So we want those stories. But the way we create stories can be 
uh, we can be proud of is to think about the story we want to tell someday while making decisions today. So think about the story you want to tell 30 years from now while you're making your decisions today. That, that makes sense, right? So, so this series... The idea is that better choices, better questions lead to better decisions. <coughs> Excuse me. So in our first message, we spoke about the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself? Really? And today, we're covering two questions. The legacy question, which is, what story do I want to tell? And the conscience question, is there attention that deserves my attention? <clears throat> what story do I want to tell? And is there attention that deserves my attention? <coughs> so here we go. So here we read about David. The question is, what if you were David in that moment? This man set out to kill you. He came to relieve himself. I figure I don't have to explain to you what relieving yourself means. Alright, so David actually saw him with his pants down. Imagine your enemy pursuing you that you're hiding from turns up in the spot you're hiding doesn't see you with his pants down. Meaning he's unarmed as well. What if you were David in that moment? You were on the run for almost eight years. You had the expectation of all those men in the cave watching to see what you would do. They finally could go home from hiding and running. You had the promise of God on your side. There is no coincidence in God, no luck, just blessing. And what a blessing this is. Could have thought, oh my God, man, <laughs> this must be the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Man, this man trying to kill me. And look here, right in my trap. And then you have people around you, the men around you saying, hey, this must be the day that the Lord is talking about, man. Your enemy? Yeah. <laughs> What would you do if you're David? The only one standing in my way or in my way of my life calling is at the tip of my sword. The quest, the emotion of frustration, exhaustion, expectation, hope, freedom, all bundled up in this moment. What would you do? What would you do if the person who was coming to kill you was unarmed in front of you and you had a crowd cheering you on. And you have a promise that you were supposed to replace that person. What would you do? But let's leave the story for a moment and talk about our first question. The legacy question. What story do I want to tell? And this is such a powerful question because most of us 
get caught up in the emotion and pressure of the moment and we lose sight of the big picture. That's part of the problem with decision making. We, we get caught up in the emotion. We get caught up in the pressure of the moment and we lose sight of the big picture of life. How often has that happened to us? You see, we don't think about how this moment will impact our overall story. Remember, we are talking about what story do you want to tell? And even in the pressure moments, even in the moments when you are boiled up and energized emotionally, you have to stop and ask, what story do I want to tell? What story do you want to tell? We have to begin to think about how my decision in this moment will affect the story. He probably went out with him. And he was a jerk. But he was cute. And he didn't have any other prospects. And two years later, it crashes. You knew it had happened, but now part of your story is two wasted years. Because of pressure and emotions. Your boss asks you to lie to a client. That's not who you are, but you did it. The client caught you. The boss threw you under the bus. And you were fired. Now part of your story is you lied and lost your job. A better story would have been you refused to lie and lost your job. Isn't that so? The thing is, when you make decisions, when the emotions are riled up and you're under pressure to do the wrong thing, it don't mean you're going to get good reward. You could lie and still lose the job. So why not tell the truth? That even if you lose it, you lost it for telling the truth. Isn't that a better story? What story do you want to tell? Your friends wanted to go out. You had an exam the next day. You told them no. They passed. They pushed you. They pressed. They stayed. You stayed. You studied and aced the exam. And graduated with high marks. Top of your class with honors. There you go. Isn't that a good story to tell? See, the truth is every decision you make is adding to your story. It's adding to your story. And one day, you're going to have to tell the story. Or the story will be told about you. I always say that I don't like doing certain funerals. Because I ain't going to speak about a particular person opposed to what their character was. In other words, if you're a known criminal, I'm not going to preach at the funeral like you were saying. So I don't do a lot of funerals because if you're a criminal, I come there and say, listen, if you live by the gun, you die by the gun. And that's not good for family to hear. So I will have to lie. I will have to say he didn't deserve this. All the point is, 
is that every decision you're adding to your story. Proverbs 13 verse 16 says, A wise man thinks ahead. A wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't. And even brags about it. A wise man thinks ahead. So a wise man thinks like, I wonder if I do this, what is going to happen down the road? He thinks ahead. The fool says, I don't care what happens down the road. <laughs> right now, I feel nice. I hire, I chill, I'm good. This nice. As some I feel right now. I enjoy life. I want life to live. I go and live it up. Anything happen, it happen. Brags about it. Whether it's loss, whether it's love, whether it's jealousy, whether it's insecurity, whether it's fear, excitement, anger. Emotions complicate the decision-making process by focusing our attention on the immediate rather than the ultimate. That's the thing with emotion. Emotions are always about the immediate and not the ultimate. And that is why you can't follow your emotions. If you're a young person, you need to hear this because I'm helping you not to make some mistakes that we have made because we were following our emotions. We were thinking about the immediate instead of the ultimate. Imagine if David followed his emotions. And thought about the immediate instead of the ultimate. In other words, there was a bigger story. In fact, Ephesians 4 verse 26 says this. But do not let the passions of your emotions lead you to sin. That's a good scripture. This is the TPT translation. It says, but don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Need to read that one more time. It's good. But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. You know how many persons have cursed off their superiors because something happened, wrong was done to them, and in the moment, they said some things that they would live to regret. They did some things. Remember, remember David was being treated unfairly. It's just like a police officer treating you unfairly. What would you do? You know you weren't going over the speed limit. And if you stop you, you, you feel like, you know me not go for it. And he decides to give you a ticket. And you're complaining and he say, listen, you don't have any seat, but when say, because you talk to me, and have a seat and he say, I'll give you a ticket for that. What would you do? Because in that moment, most of us allow our passion and our emotions to lead us to sin. Goes on and says, don't let, let anger control you or be fueled for revenge. Not even for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser. The devil. 
an opportunity to manipulate you. When your emotions are off, you're open to manipulation from the devil. I'm telling you. This is a time when you're boiled up emotionally to probably sit still and hear God. Some of the worst decisions and things that I've done, I did it when my emotions were off. Angry, upset, vexed. All kind of things. And in that time, you made decisions that affect your story. It means I allowed myself to be manipulated by the slanderous accuser called the devil. So strong emotional appeals should trigger a red flag, not a green light. When, when you see emotions going wild, it's not a green light. It's a red flag. Like if you really feel like, boy, I can't wait to go and see her. I can't wait to go and see him. That's not a green light. That's a red flag. It means you need to stop. If you feel like I can't control this. And if you just say it. And if you just talk my feelings. That's a red flag. But here's what we do. Most of us, including me. We take these strong emotional appeals as, as green lights. And we love to say, well, as some feel, I like to talk my feelings. Because I don't believe in hiding my feelings. So in your decision-making moment, ask yourself, what story do I want to tell about this situation? When the whole thing is said and done, what do you want to tell people about it? After you leave the police and you come to church, what do you want to tell people? When you leave that company and you come to church, what do you want to tell people? That you give them a piece of your tongue? Or a piece of your mind? What do you want to tell others about this situation? Always ask yourself that. that. That is why you have to ask questions before you make decisions. Because you're creating a story. So that one question, what story do I want to tell about this situation? That one story will cause you to pause long enough to consider the long term. People who look past the immediate outcome of their current situation to focus on the ultimate outcome of their stories have two things in common. Two things in common. You know what they are? Wisdom and faith. People who look past the immediate instant gratification, instant satisfaction, People look past the immediate outcome of their situation to focus on the ultimate outcome of their stories have two things in common. Wisdom and faith. Because it takes wisdom to choose a better story. 
It takes wisdom to choose a better story. What is the wisest thing to do? And sometimes the right thing may not be the wisest thing. The right thing may be to stand up for your right, but the wise thing is to walk away. It takes wisdom to choose a better story. It, it took wisdom. David could really have done probably what is considered the right thing, but he chose the wise thing. You see, too often when we are emotionally charged up, what we choose is the right thing instead of the wise thing to do. So Proverbs 14 verse 15 says, The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. That's wisdom. Consider your step. Consider the outcome. Consider the story. Proverbs 29 verse 11. It says, A short-sighted fool always loses his temper and displays his anger. But a wise man uses self-control and holds it back. It doesn't mean that I don't have anger issues. Here's what happened. I use self-control and I hold it back. But the fool, the short-sighted, always loses his temper. And not only that, he displays it. Take wisdom. Secondly, it takes faith to choose a better story. Why, why does it take, take faith? Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's faith. You have to believe. You have to obey. I have to believe what God says. I have to believe what God's promise. Even if in the immediate it doesn't look possible. I have to believe that God's way is best. Even though I see a shortcut. Let me ask you. If God promises you a house. The house, your dream house. And you see a shortcut to it. A good shortcut. I'm not talking a compromise shortcut. But uh, you know you have some good shortcuts in life. You know? not, not every shortcut a bad road. You, know? you have some shortcuts that are very good. It's just that they have danger sometimes along the way. And it's not the way you ought to drive. But, but there's a good shortcut. Would you rather take that? Than wait in faith 10 years more, 20 years more. What is more important? Is it the intimate, the immediate, sorry, or the ultimate? After you have waited 10 years, are you willing to wait 10 more? Or do you take the shortcut? Do you compromise the standards, compromise the values? The scripture said, Abraham obeyed. Let's go to Hebrews 11. Watch this. 24 to 26. It says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. That's faith. Moses says, listen, I want to write a better story. And because I want to write a better story, I don't want my story to be that the people of God were suffering and I was having pleasure. Because that was my right as Pharaoh's son. No! I'd rather suffer with the people and wait on God. Have faith that God will write a better story. Yeah. Abraham, Moses, they chose a better story. They stepped out and they trusted God. So let's go back to our story. Verse 4 said this. Then the men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you. When they bring all Bible in the whole thing, you know. says, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. In other words, they were saying, David, you know when God spoke to you and told you that God, you know, God, he's going to give you an enemy in your hand. See it here, man. This is the day, David. <laughs> David, this is it. Confirmation, David. Confirmation, David. No more greater con- David, imagine. This must be God. This is can be- David, this must be a blessing. David, the man, come. look how much cave. And the man want to use the bathroom. And of all the caves that he could choose, David, he chose the cave that you are hiding in. David, this mo- this is it. David, this must be God. Clear as day. <laughs> oh, jeez. And then David crept up and noticed. Scripture says, and he cut off a corner. Of Saul's robe. You remember the story? He cut off us a cut off. Why did he do that? Why would he disappoint everyone? Why would he go against his own feeling? Why would he ignore the obvious immediate outcome? Because he wanted a better story. Can you imagine how those men would feel? Those, listen, remember David, those men, were, were, David turned them into men of valor, you know. They were called good for nothing, and a lot of this were some of the men that Saul had refused and rejected, you know. And so here it is that David took them up and telling them all that Saul has been doing and that he's supposed to be king. And, and, and telling them the prophecy, yeah man, I'm supposed to be king, you know. But Saul will fight out the thing, you understand me? And they say, alright David, we're going to stay and fight with you. And they say, alright David, kill him now so you can deal with the thing. Because boy, I'm mean, telling David, he's suffering and he came and he's easy. We're tired of the heap of came life. And David screeched up behind Saul. And before David killed Saul, David just clipped off a piece every rope. What do you think those men would feel? How could have done this? How <laughs> could a SpongeBob done this? I don't really done this. Maybe his leadership would be compromised by this. <laughs> David wanted to tell a better story. David wanted when the, his grandkids grew up and they said, hey grandpa, tell us how you became king again. That he could say, I trusted God. Remained faithful. 
and by and God by his power removed the king. You think David wanted to say to his grandkids, hey, I murdered the last king while he was taking a dump? <laughs> Imagine if that is what David had to say to, hey, hey, Solomon, before I leave, let me tell you, you know how I became king? May I tell you, Solomon, hey, the word is all. The word try to kill me, no, Salah. And Salah be there in the cave. But come in there and take a dump. I just squeeze you up beside that and cut off that neck. <laughs> what story would that be? David told a better story because he trusted God rather than played God. That's the problem. Instead of trusting God, we often play God. You see, he used wisdom and faith to choose a story worth telling. If you want to have a story worth telling, generations from now, start trusting God instead of playing God. Stop doing it and let God do it. You see, you have to remember that David didn't kill Goliath. David declared before he went to Goliath that the battle is not what? Ours. The battle is? So, it's the Lord who killed Goliath, not David. So, David must have remembered. Listen, if God killed Goliath, then God can remove Saul. That's the story I want to tell. Teenagers, what story do you want to tell your kids when they ask you about your choices? Read your parents, your friends, your studies. If you're in college or you're a young adult, what story do you want to tell your kids about your relationships, peer pressure, integrity, spiritual life? Do you know that there are parents who can't tell their kids about their relationships? Mommy, how did you meet daddy? Well, you know, he was married to um, so-and-so and thing, but she wasn't treating him right, you know, so I started talk to him, and then it would get married, divorce her, and marry me. That's a story you want to tell. What story do you want to tell your kids? Adults, what story do you want to tell your mari- about your marriage? What story do you want to tell about your singleness? What story you want to tell about your career? What story you want to tell about business? What story you want to tell about your calling, your finances, your morality, your faith, your obedience to God? What story do you want to tell? So don't make a decision that will make you a liar for your life. Let me say that again. Don't make a decision today that will make you a liar for your life. Long after whatever you have gained is gone, you'll still be left with a story you won't be proud to tell. Choose a better story. That's it. Here's the thing. The thing that you get oftentimes go, but your story remains. So choose a better story. Because the story remains. So the leg- legacy decision is, I will decide a story I'm proud to tell. I will not decide anything that makes me a liar for life. So when you wake up in the morning, just say this declaration. Just say, today, I will decide a story I'm proud to tell. Today, 
I will not decide anything that makes me a liar for life. That's the legacy decision. The conscience question is, is there attention that deserves my attention? There are times in the middle of a decision that the Holy Spirit creates some tension in your heart. This red flag alerts you to pay attention. Amen? You, you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you oftentimes or speaking to you. People call it your conscience or you, you, you have uh, intuition and they have all kind of things. But you know, you know, you have a feeling. However, people oftentimes say the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to me. However you want to do it. But let's deal with this. Second Corinthians 2, 12 to 13 says, Furthermore, when I came to trust to preach Christ's gospel and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit. Hear that? I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Paul said he had no rest in his spirit. Have you ever felt like that? Man, you know you're supposed to because God, I mean, you know there's an unction. So pay attention to the whispers of God. If you want to make, uh, if you want to write a better story, tell a better story, make better decisions in life, you have to pay attention to the whispers of God. Oftentimes we say that God is not speaking. The truth is we are not listening. Pay attention to the whispers of God. We want the dramatic, we want the, the, this loud bang, and you know, we want, we want the excitement. Begin to pay attention to the whispers of God. The soft, still voice of God. 1 Kings 19, 11-12 says this, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Do you hear that? The Lord was not in the wind. Loud, obvious, clear, everything, rocks breaking. All right, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Big rumbling and shaking, and the Lord is not there. And after the earthquake, a fire, very visible, big, you know, excitement, stuff, fire going on. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And oftentimes, this is what we miss. We see God in the fire, we see him in the earthquake, we see him in the strong wind, but we miss him in the still small moments. It's the whispers that we are missing. In other words, if we don't see the big bang, we don't think God is speaking. But you know what? If you're a child of God, there is a working of the Spirit in you, and God is speaking to you. Listen, the devil ain't going to tell you to do what is godly. So if something is urging you, prompting you to do something godly, hey, lo, it is God. It is the Holy Spirit. You think the devil is going to tell you to go to church and worship God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength? He's not saying you. If you're in bed in the morning and something tells you to get up out of bed and go to church, it's not the devil. So don't rebuke it. It is God speaking to you. Amen? If, if, if you hear, listen, you see that person over there, they are hungry. Go and give them something to eat. It's not the devil telling you to do that. It's God. 
The devil ain't going to tell you to feed the hungry. The devil going to tell you to feed yourself. That internal hesitation, that red flag, that tension is often God's protection, correction, or redirection. So that red flag is sometimes God protecting you. God saying, listen, danger ahead. Or, that's wrong. Or, turn around. When you feel that tension, you have to listen to the whisper because oftentimes it is God redirecting, God correcting, or God protecting. So let's go back to the story, verse 5. It says, afterwards, David was conscience-stricken. You hear that? David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid... That I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Do you know Saul didn't even know? Man coming out of the cave. David cut off his robe. Listen, rebuke the men. And say, listen, no. 300 men. Say, say boss, you a joke. Man could go do it. And David say, no, this is my master. God corrected David. God was protecting David. And God was redirecting David. Charles Stanley says this. God takes full responsibility for the life wholly yielded yielded to him. God takes full responsibility. So, So all that happened is that God took full responsibility because David showed that he was totally committed to God. Listen, if you are totally committed and totally surrendered to God, then God will take full responsibility for your life. God was going to work out the kingship. All David needed to do was to trust God. Seven chapter later, you know what happened? Go and read it in your Bible. Saul dies in battle. And David becomes king. Can you imagine? Can you imagine he act in the immediate? And seven chapters of your life later, God work out something. And you, you look back and you say, oh my God. If I had only waited. Has that ever happened to you? You did something because you were led by your emotions. And then, and then seven months down the road you say, oh my God. Why didn't I just wait on God? Seven chapters later. Saul was killed. What if David... Knew that Saul would be dead seven chapters later. Would he even have a decision to make? If you knew God had a plan. That's the thing you know. If you knew 
that God was, if you knew the exact plan of God, you know you'd make different decisions. Don't you? If, if you knew like tomorrow, God was going to promote me. You wouldn't cost the boss today. Right? But, but here it is. If David had known, David would not have done that. But that's where you have a relationship with God. And because of that and trust in God, he, 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 he responded to that whisper. So David told a better story because he listened to the tension in his heart rather than the pressure in the cave. There are times when you have to listen to the tension in your heart rather than the pressure in the cave you are around. Like I found this story so amazing because David had a kingly anointing on him. And look where he found himself with men who they said were good for nothing. And he was about to take instruction from them. Do you know how many times some of us with God's kingly anointing on us surround ourselves with people who we end up taking advice and counsel from? Instead of listening... And acting based on the tension in our hearts. The working of the spirit. If there is something in you. Something you can't put your finger on. That brother. Sorry that bothers you. About something you are considering. So pause. Pray. And pay attention. That tension may be. God's protection. So if there is something in you. Something you can't put your finger on. It is bothering you. You are considering it. You're not sure what to do. Pause. Pray. Pay attention. Because that tension may be God's protection. It may not even be the overall decision. It could be something you need to communicate. It could be something you need to negotiate or it could be something you need to investigate. Sometimes that is happening because there is something you need to investigate. You need to do some checks. Or you need to negotiate. Or you need to communicate. It may be the timing. But don't ignore it. Explore it. Oftentimes, it is God's way of protecting, correcting, and redirecting. Oh, if we would listen to the tension. So the conscience decision is, I will pause even when I can't pinpoint the cause of my hesitation. I will explore Rather than ignore my conscience. You ever hear some people say them conscience are bother them? When your conscience are bother you, pause. It may be something you need to communicate. It may be something you need to negotiate. It may be something you need to investigate. Uh, we have all kind of words. We say we conscience are right with. It's a bother we. You know, feel good in your conscience. Pause. You even said to yourself, I don't feel good about it. Pause. I'm not comfortable with this. Pause. 
You know how many persons church that have all of these things and run into stuff? And then we ask, God, where are you? And now the conclusion of our story. After Saul leaves the, clay, leaves the cave, David shows himself to Saul and the 3,000 men. Verse 10 says this, This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. Hear that? David said, They urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay hand on my Lord, because he is the Lord anointed. Verse 12 says, May the Lord judge between you and me. Then he says, And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. Verse 16 says, When David finished this, Saul asked, Is that your voice? David, my son. And, and listen, this is Saul. And he wept aloud. You know, you know here, here starts church. Here is Saul calling David his son. Imagine if David had killed Saul. Here Saul says, This is a story. Church, this is a story. So listen to Saul's story about David. What will your story be in your enemy's mouth? You want to know what David's story was in his enemy's mouth? Here it is. You are more righteous than I. That's David's enemy speaking. He says, you have treated me well. That's David's enemy speaking. He says, but I have treated you badly. That's David's enemy speaking. Can you imagine you made some decisions in your life that even your enemy speak this way about you? What story do you want to be told? Saul was really saying, David, you have a better story than mine. Listen, don't let your enemy have a better story than you. I, I, I hope you learned something today, right? Because no matter where you are right now, your story is still being written. It's not over. No matter what has been written before, you have a chance and a choice to change the script. Use wisdom to think ultimate, not immediate. Use faith to trust God to work it out. Explore the tension you feel. Use wisdom faith, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and trust God for the ultimate outcome. 
every decision you make is a part of your story, your ultimate story. God has given us wisdom. So I tell young people that the reason why older folks speak to you is because they don't want you to have to hide your story. See, some of us don't understand that our folks or our parents they had to hide their stories because they don't have the wealth of information that we have. And there's an embarrassment in some of it. So we have all of this information. Let's write a better story. Let's make better decisions. So when our stories are read out aloud, we can give glory to God because we were trusting him and we acted in wisdom. Saul said, you are more righteous than I. You have treated me well, but I've treated you badly. So use wisdom to think ultimate, not immediate. When what you get is gone, your story will still carry on. Amen. Listen, just bow your heads with me this morning. I know sometimes we, there are some things that, you know, in our past that all of us, or most of us, or some of us, may have things that we are not proud of. And we can't go back and fix them. You know, that, that's just the unfortunate thing. We can't. We can't go back and fix them. But the good thing is that while you're alive, the story has not ended. It means that you can write a new chapter. A chapter that's built around faith in God. Chapter built around the kind of obedience that, that Abraham showed. Or a chapter that speaks to the kind of faith that Moses showed when he chose to suffer with the children of Israel than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. We all have that choice today. You have that choice and I have that choice. But what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, even those of you who are at home, just do this for me. Right where you are this morning, just say, Today, I will decide a story I'm proud to tell. I will not decide anything that makes me a liar. Come on, one more time. Say, Today, I will decide a story I'm proud to tell. I will not decide anything that makes me a liar. Today, I will pause 
even when I can't pinpoint the cause of my hesitation I will explore rather than ignore my conscience come on one more time he said today I choose to pause even when I can't pinpoint the cause of my hesitation I choose to explore rather than ignore my conscience Heavenly Father we thank you we thank you that we can write a better story a story that brings glory to your name and that we can be proud of not that there won't be mistakes along the way but cause us to always consider the ultimate and not just the immediate when the emotions are all riled up God when the tension is high when the pressure is coming in from all around may we think about the ultimate may we remember that whatever we get will go but the story we tell will always be there we choose today to paint a different story a story that aligns with your will for those persons right now Lord God Almighty who they have all of these decisions they have something that they are considering something that they are contemplating God I pray that they will pause they will pray and pay attention to the tension I pray that they will listen to the spirit the spirit of God that they will not ignore the small still voice of God speaking that even their enemies will speak well of them for they stood in faith and lived in wisdom Lord we give you glory we thank you for this time of worship and praise on your word may you keep us oh God in your love forever and under your wing may you lead us in paths everlasting cover us with your blood strengthen us by your Holy Spirit feed us with your bread protect us with your shield God we glorify you thank you and magnify you in Jesus strong and holy name Amen and Amen Hallelujah Hallelujah Amen Hallelujah Come on that's good
Listen, even if you're at home right now, just 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 clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Remember, please check your posters. Um, you will see the legacy question and the conscience question on it. We meet Tuesday night for House of Prior and Wednesday for Bible study. Remember, we do a watch party at 1030. Um, that is how our second service will be done. So if you know someone who was not in church, encourage them. Call them and let them know. Listen, you need to hear this word. You need to listen to the worship this morning. Amen. So God bless you. Have a wonderful